just want to welcome. I'm so glad that you're here and that you're part of the family. The first service was packed. It's great having you guys here and being a part of this service. It's a great day. Now, here's what I need you to do. I want you to turn somebody and look them in the eye. Find somebody, look them in the eye. Everyone turn somebody. Come on, make sure they're making connection. Everyone have somebody. You got somebody, all right? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give your best karate move. Look. Hey! But just do it. Give him the best move. That's a karate move. There, I didn't say strike him. I didn't say hit him. Jeez, I got some of you are ready to do it. How can we be tough in a culture of compromise? We're looking at the Karate Kid movie today. That's why we had you do that. There is a shifting going on. It's in front of our eyes. And I, I could not help but use this example of that shifting uh, dealing with fathers. There is a big move out there asking, are fathers even necessary? Do we need fathers? Uh, journals are challenging this idea uh, around the world. Alanda, uh, its journal says, uh, are fathers necessary? Uh, is there any parental contribution uh, that we really need that's essential? Uh, New York Times says, uh, had a group of intellectuals get together in a panel and discuss uh, whether fathers were needed. They opened the discussion by saying, I'm not sure that fathers what they're for. Duffman Post says fathers are not needed and had an article on that. Yet we've had presidents speak and say the most necessary thing that's needed in our society right now is fathers. Uh, th there was a time that this wasn't even necessary. To ask this question to be like, do you need air? Do you need water? Of course we need fathers. Uh, but we have this new shifting in understanding, new dealing with uh, what's going on. Boys need it because they have kind of a wild nature and stuff like that. And fathers need to model what a man is, what it is going from a boy to a man. They need to mo model what it is to show self-control uh, and what's necessary. There comes a place in every uh, family's life where the, the father is the one that the boys will listen to. Mothers do a great job, but there comes that point you just need uh, a man in that situation that's a good father. Uh, then girls, they need it because uh, that's how they develop a relationship with men. And if they don't have a good relationship with the father, they're not going to choose wisely. They're going to choose uh, and just kind of go through relationship because they're looking for that bonding. They're looking for that relationship. And it causes such great depression when they don't achieve it. Both need a father for safety. They need a father for security. But many fathers... Don't fill that role. And as we look at this, it can be heartbreaking, but it can actually be the solution because a godly man with authority in the lives of a family can do incredibly powerful things that never could have happened before. We need a father. We need a man that exercises spiritual authority. We're talking about this on Father's Day. So here's what I want to do. There's a lot of stuff I would like to talk about. But I've got a, 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 a devotional I've done. So if you'll just text DAD, text DAD to 714-455-3113 right now. We'll email that to you, and you can have a look at that. 714-455-3113. So will you shift with the culture, or will you stand? Do you know your authority? You have spiritual authority. As a policeman, when they put a badge on me, I knew I had authority. I represented the law. I represented 
certain things. Uh, when there was trouble, I could pick up the radio, make a phone call, and all these officers would come to my assistance. They would back me up. I had authority. Do you know that you have authority as a Christian, and you have spiritual authority, because you're dealing with spirits and principalities, rulers in high places. You need to recognize your spiritual authority and know how to deal with it. Well, in The Karate Kid, uh, Daniel, the fact, uh, Mayoga calls him Danielson, uh, it comes from Jersey, he ends up in Southern California, which we understand. He is bullied by a group of guys that are from this dojo. And he, he his pride is broken, he's hurt like that. He wants to exercise violence back on them. He wants to defeat them. Uh, and he's beaten up several times, and, and this, this, this next time he gets beaten up, Mayogi uh, actually intervenes right there, and he jumps into the situation, and he, he wards them all off, stops them all with quick moves and quick actions like that, and he interjects for the very first time this father figure, this person of authority that can help Danielson. Uh, when it seems like you have none when it comes to authority, it's the opposite. Spiritual authority is available to you. It has been given to you. You have to exercise it. One of the things that I did in training missionaries uh, around the world uh, and training them how to survive being taken hostage, a hostage would live for a year and a half in, in just dire situations uh, while they're waiting for some sort of ransom, is that what you said, how you respond, how you deal with it, first of all, determine whether you live. Second of all, can change the circumstance, and many of them are able to turn things around and get released because they kept their, their mind and their direction, and they understand the power of prayer in that situation. So when you think everything's against you, spiritual authority can stand out, and it can change things for you. Let's watch this video. What do we say here? The way of the And what is that way? Ask leave boy alone. What's the matter? The boy can't take care of his own problems? I promise teach karate. Not to my part. You promise learn. I say you do. No question. this series on God I've filmed, the reason we do it every summer is we look at the blockbusters, find the spiritual meaning behind it. As I looked at all the movies for this summer, they were terrible. So we decided to go back to the 80s. And so today we're looking at the Karate Kid. Uh, the first week we found out that in our movie that we dealt with is that society, will, culture will try to rename you, to strip God out of your life. Then we find that there's going to be pressure to conform. What will you do? Will you believe? Will you stand up? Or will you conform? And this week, how do you deal with confrontation right? How do you exercise your authority, your God-given authority? We live in a culture that needs grace and truth. People think it's one or the other. It's both. 
And it's not a balance. It's, it's just both that God gives them. We have to learn that. We need to know how to confront right. And more importantly, who to confront. We're so busy fighting with people that we don't even know. Arguing with people we don't really have relationships with. And we're missing the spiritual enemy that is causing all the confusion, all the evil, and all the harm. And we need to know how to confront that. Now, anyone done any confrontation with somebody and it just went wrong? Just raise your hand if it went wrong. It, am I the only one that, that, yeah, all right, I've got some more honest people. All right, you even out there, uh, did you just nod your head, let me know. Okay, all right. So it's important to know that even as Christians, we have problems with this confronting because we confront out of our hurt, out of our pain. There can be a past situation that's happened to us. We see life through that. So we always think somebody's trying to do something against us instead of through the Holy Spirit, instead of in the, in the power and authority. And what we fail to understand is there are spirits and principalities that use us like puppets. I just want to do this message on puppets. You know, I have a bunch of puppets and strings watching, watch the puppet master and how it, you do everything that the master, that spirit, has, has been moving and directing, and you just fall in line. If you direct the war to the puppeteer, you'll get somewhere. You'll cut the strings. You'll be able to walk in God's authority. And that's important to understand as we walk forward in good confrontation. But I have messed up when it comes to, to confronting. Even I have done it. In fact, I think one of the very first large times that I, that I as, as a man and, and as a father, as a pastor, failed, happened to be the very first church that we're at. And um, the associate pastor that was on staff at that church uh, did not want Terry, because she was a woman, to be in staff meeting. Didn't want to be a part. Said some very angry and just bad things. I, I'm confused. I'm trying to figure out the Bible. I'm trying to figure out what's right, what's good, you know, when you're being respectful, when you're not being respectful. I'm trying to figure out this, this confrontation thing. And as a result, because it took me a while to figure it all out and really come to understanding of it, Terry was hurt in the process. That associate said things that should never have been done. The senior pastor never confronted, never led like he should have done. And harm was caused to everyone. The greater harm was, spiritually, there was something going on in that associate's life that was very wrong, that came out and caused a lot of harm to people. See, confrontation may not always be about what's going on. It may be about what the spirits are doing. And if you handle it right, if you go to it with prayer, if you do, you will get insight, you'll know. And you'll see release, you'll see change as a result of doing it right. So, anyone here need help on how to do confrontation? I, I just want to make sure this, all right, I see enough hands, all right. So let me help you with this. There's four keys to godly confrontation, all right? And here, here's the key, and we're going to start in Daniel 4.4. Make sure you have a note. You can follow along like this. Uh, I have to point out something about chapter 4 on Daniel. It's an interesting chapter because the whole chapter is written by the king, who's a pagan and who doesn't believe in God, who's not even Jewish. It's the only time that this happens in Scripture, but we do discover there's a lot of pride 
in the way that it's written and the way things are done. And Nebuchadnezzar's had a lot of pride. We've, we found with, with Meshach, Sadrach, and Abednego, he made a big statue of himself, wanted everyone to, to, to uh, bow down to it. God had to reveal himself. He says, no, your God is the God now, but now he's back into pride again. Pride happened numerous times with him. This is where America is. We want to do it on our own. We don't need God. We're not a nation started by God, for God. Yes, we are. But we want to replace it. We want to say we can do it. We can think it out. We can figure it out. We can vote it out. And I'm saying you need to vote. But we think that we can control it versus involving God in all we're doing. Because wherever there's spiritual conflict, we need the presence and authority of God. Verse 5. Now, before I start that, have, has everyone had a dream about you and then been mad at you? They have a dream, and you're in that dream. They wake up, it's so real, and they're just mad at you. Okay, it usually happens with a spouse, and I won't, I won't point to anyone, right? And I know that, that you're not pointing to anybody, you know, but, but Terry woke up mad at me, you know? was mad at me about like half the day. He said, I can't believe you did that. Did what? It was a dream. I wasn't there. So imagine that type of strife. Imagine that situation between the king and Daniel. The king is writing, and he says, I've had a dream. And it's made me afraid. It has terrified me. And he's been calling out, kind of summarize. So the king has this dream, and and Daniel must explain it. And it's not a good dream. It's about God confronting his pride. It talks about this tree that grows up to the sky and the birds and people come out of the shelter and, and offers his fruit and his resources and all this great thing. And then the messenger comes who chops down the tree. And it falls and everyone was scattered. Now, this is not a message you want to bring when you have to interpret it. He's saying, what does it mean? I don't quite understand what it means. Explain this to me. And, you know, this is where uh, that, that saying came, don't shoot the messenger. Because messengers would come to kings, and if they didn't like the message, they killed you. They would kill you. And so here he is in this situation. He's got to deliver this, this bad news, this story, this this. this, this challenge God is feeling to his pride does he do it or, or, or does he risk his life he, he, he's, he's wondering what does he do okay but you always walk in your authority and the king says Daniel you're wisest you tell me you've always been able to interpret dreams you tell me what this means so is he going to risk it or is he going to play dumb uh, we like the saying uh, you be you I'll be me okay you kind of do what you want to do, I'll do it my way. That's not advice. How do you confront someone that's about to ruin their life? How do you confront a child or a coworker or a family member or a spouse or a friend? They're, they're, they're involved in things that, and things are just not going right. Is confrontation yelling your words, hear me now, you're an idiot. That confrontation? A lot of us, that's how we've experienced confrontation. I think confrontation is much more than that. Amen? I want you to restore relationships. 
I want you to use your God-given spiritual authority to do what God has sent you to do, to exercise your authority. You've been given authority. You need to exercise it. So the very first key that we need to know is relationship. Write that in. Relationship needs to be in the context of any confrontation. Josh McDowell kind of said it this way. Rules without relationship are going to lead to rebellion. You're doing any parenting or anything like that, you're working employer or whatever. If you just give rules and there's no connection with the person, just follow the rules, do what I say, you're going to have rebellion. Truth without relationship leads to rejection. When you have to share a truth, and it's challenging, unless there's something in the bank of relationships, I just reject that. I have nothing. That's just stupid. You're wrong. So the question is, how do you invest in a relationship? Now, I'm going to get on. I'm going to divert just for a second, because I want to use an example of social media. That is not investing in a relationship when you just put a post out there, when you just argue with somebody, when you just tell them they're wrong, when you just put something out there, when you say, well, they're a friend, just because they click friend on you doesn't mean they're really your friend, that you spend any time with them, all right? Then that's the worst. That is the ultimately worst place for you to confront anybody about anything because it's going to go off a different direction. Other people are going to make their comments. They, it's, not, it's not personal. It's not personal. In fact, just kind of help you with this, uh, there's a book out there, 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. That's the name of the book. You need to get rid of your social media accounts right now. And in a sentence, this is what he said, what said throughout the whole book. Basically, uh, Lannert said this, uh, because it stops joy, makes you a jerk, erodes truth, kills empathy, takes free will, keeps the world insane, destroys authority, blocks economic dignity, makes politics a mess, and hates you. That's why you should delete your accounts and have nothing to do with them. I think it's some food for a thought for how much we spend time scrolling and swiping and going through and all the information we really get and what it really does for us. Praying for someone, going into the throne room of God, and interceding for them is the most personal thing you can do. And if you're praying right, you're learning about the other person. You're trying to understand their hurts and their baggage. You're trying to look for ways that you can pray with power and authority that will heal, that will restore, that will bless. Praying for somebody is the most personal thing you can ever do that we're called to do. You're to use your time to make a relational, spiritual investment in somebody else. You're to get your heart right. That's the first thing to start. You start in prayer. God, what am I missing? What am I seeing wrong? Because I'm sure my baggage, my hurts, my past is somehow affecting this. Show me where I'm wrong. Show me where I just want to get even. Show me where I, I want, want to get, make sure this per person gets punished. Show me what's going on with me. 
That's personal. That takes some investment. Then to say, God, I, I want to meet with you. I want your insight. I want your, God, I want you to meet with them. I want your spirit, and I want your angels to be ministering in dreams and people throughout the day, preparing their hearts, working on them, doing what's necessary so they come to a place they need to be. Bless them, Lord. With what? Not finances, but with truth, with insight, with direction. By removing deception. God, I want you to be real in this person's life. Oh, no, I can do it. I'll just argue it out. I'll just fight with them every week. What are we doing? We're letting the puppeteer direct us. Instead of doing what God has called us to do and exercising a spiritual authority by making a personal relationship. God creates Adam and Eve, walks with them in the cool of the night, and then you know what he does? He has a relationship with them. That's personal. Very personal. And then... God gives them authority. You're over everything. You're to name them. You're to be in charge. I give you authority. And they meet Satan. And what do they do? They sin and they take their authority that was given to them by God and hand it to Satan. He takes over and begins to destroy and hurt and harm. Jesus comes and dies. Yes, he forgives you, but he's done something greater that we so miss. We stop at point one of all the things that God gives. The second thing, he says, I gave you authority. I bought it back. You can't lose it this time because I bought it with my blood. You either use it or don't. Adam, he gave up the authority. He buys it back and gives it to you, and you decide, oh, I don't think it works. Oh, I don't think it's there. I... He's given it to you. He's given it to you. And there's more inside your notes. Number two, not only is it personal, it's about restoration. Restoration should be the focus, the goal of confrontation. Danielson wants to learn karate so he can satisfy his pride. You beat me up in front of the girl I like. You, you've made me look less than a man. I feel bad about myself. I want to get even. This is about my pride now. Most confrontation is to be right. I want to be right. Because you're wrong. I'm right. You're wrong. Men, his question. Ever gone up to your wife and said, Woman, you're wrong. Has it ever worked for you if you've been stupid enough to do that? I just was curious. You'll find out, no. No person, no matter who they are, want to be told and directed in that manner. Am I confronting to be right or for restoration? And how do I know? How are you approaching it? How do you want to do it? I want to sit them down with everybody around them, and I'm going to expose them right from them. I'm going to tell them what a jerk they are, and then everybody's going to know right there. Drop them. You're probably not ready for the confrontation because you have a lot of things you need to work through. Daniel 4.19. I wish this dream would happen to your enemies, king. 
not you. This is bad news that he's about to deliver. He's not worried for his life. This is out of relationship. He's known him for several decades. He's been key in even the transition of nations. I want you to know I care about you. You're important to me. Restoration is to have a relationship. The key is to restore what is lost. I want to bring something back. I want to create a transformative moment. I want to awaken something in you where there's deception, where you're not seeing. I want to make it new. This is about rescuing, healing, restoring. When you confront somebody, what's your goal? Will you feel good? So there's restoration. Third thing, humility. It's the posture. It's, it's how you carry yourself. It's, it's how the whole confrontation goes. It's a, a place of humility. For effective confrontation, you have to have it. Mayogi uh, seems more interested in Daniel waxing his car, painting his fence, as you, you saw in the clip. And, and Daniel confronts him. He's angry. He's upset. His pride has been hurt. You, you said you would teach me, and you've been tricking me. You've been conning me. First thing Mayogi does is he realizes that Daniel's arms are hurting and his shoulders out of, out of, out of source because of all the painting and like that. So he, he does some different things on him that causes that pain to be reduced. He heals. He helps. That's the very first thing he does. And then he breaks into a series of blows and kicks on Danielson. He's, he's, he's surprised, and immediately he waxes off. He waxes on. He brushes up, and he defends himself, and he realizes all this stuff that's been going on, you've been having me practice what I need to learn. And you're teaching me to deal with my pride. Because the biggest problem here is my pride. The biggest thing in the way is my pride. Yes, I'm getting beat up. That's a problem. But my problem to getting a solution is my pride. Do you know what you're confronting? He thought it was just confronting his boys. No, he, was, he had to deal with something far bigger. And when you confront, who are you confronting? You're not fighting people. If you are, you're, you're fighting the wrong thing, and you're, you're just being directed by the puppet master. You're fighting the enemy who's stirring up, who's trying to hinder, trying to keep you from those relationships. Your greed, dealing with porn, affairs, materialism, abandonment of the faith, we can go on with any sin that you have. The root, the main cause, is always pride. I don't want to do it your way, God. I want to do it my way. I can do it. It just may happen to affect other people, but it won't affect me. God, I'm in charge. I don't want to listen to you. I can do it. I'm, I'm able to do it. Everywhere else they say I'm not good enough, but I can do it. It's pride. If you confront pride with pride, it always divides happening in this nation. It kills restoration. 
defeats it. Galatians 6, 1. If another believer is overcome by some sin, you, who are godly, should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. First of all, you need to recognize there are spirits at work. Not only are they at work and present in this moment, they have probably been working for generations. They've been probably passed down from family to family. The hurt, the pain, how to deal with things, just been passed on. They've been around. They know your hurts. They know your wounds. They know how to play you just like a, a fiddle in a fine way. You want to need to understand that so you fight the right things. And then, then you need to know this. If you handle it by yourself, with your wit, with your skills, with your natural ability, you open yourself up. That same sin to be your sin. I'll never be like my father. I'll never be like my mother. And guess what? You are. If you think about them so much, it's out of pain and out of hurt, that seed can never grow right. It's a good thing not to maybe be about hurt, being hurtful and stuff like that. But you'll never be that because it's not based on what God is doing. You have to deal with that. Recognize the spirits at work and be careful not to lose focus on the true enemy. And you need to pray. You need to pray and you need to assault those spirits. You need to call forth angels to bind them. You need to call forth the Holy Spirit to give you uh, insight and direction. You need to pray. Not ignore it, not hide it. You need to pray. And God will give you insight and give you instructions on what to do. Um, the number one injury that most people carry happens to be from a parent, usually a father, that I am not enough. You could have been a great parent. You could have been a bad parent. But somehow we can inflict I am not you just can't do that right or you're just not ready for this or you just how will we handle it that's a, that's the number one wound most people carry is that I'm not good enough so a lot of us having that wound cause that wound and we must speak we must pray we must declare to those around us to those that feel that that's not true that's a lie that needs to be broken off you. No matter how it came about, no matter what happened. And that's what we can do. We can declare that. We can say that you are good enough. You are capable. I, I have a great relationship with my kids. I, I, I really think I have probably one of the best relationships. I'm, I'm glad to have such a relationship. Uh, our kids, now we all live about a half a mile from each other. I mean, it's just, it's, it's great. I mean, I just love the whole thing. But about a month ago, God was just kind of dealing with me. He said, you know, I want you to go to Jonathan. I want you to go to Brittany. I want you to ask him this question. Is there something that I ever did that I mishandled, that I did wrong, that you remember, that's kind of stuck with you, that's hurt you? 
And the first response was, Dan, you know, you know, you're a great dad. I, I, you know, you've always been there. I, I love you. Not by no, no, I'm serious. There, I know there's something I've not handled right, not done right. And both of them had something to share. My first comment was, forgive me. Forgive me for being too hard in that situation. Forgive me for I spoke life into them. And humbling ourselves? We've got to say we're sorry sometimes. Give the other people a chance to heal, to realize you're enough. You're great. Am I confronting with the heart of pride or humility? Here's the clue. If you're looking forward to the confrontation, you're not ready. Boy, when I sit down, if you're looking ready, you say you're excited about the confrontation, then you haven't prayed enough, you haven't been real enough as to what's going on with you. Because there's some pride working. And the other thing that's really important, you will miss where to pray strategically if you just want to jump into confrontation. What 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 is what does Mayogi discover? They discovered that all this anger that's coming from the boys is coming from a teacher, a sensei, who's teaching them wrong. A man modeling the wrong desires, pouring into them, showing them how to use their strength and their muscles to hurt, to harm. Strike first. Hurt. That's what it is to be a man. To do it right, we must be personal. You involve that in prayer. The goal must be to restore. Something's been lost. God's been stripped. I need to put that back. I need to intercede here. I need to be used by God and directed by God. And humility comes from a strong belief. God, you're an authority. You have power. You have the ultimate love. Show me how to release that into this circumstance. On the back. Number four. Hope. Hope has to be given for confrontation to sink in. Hope. It's not just saying something bad, but it's giving hope that someone can grab on. Daniel 4, 26, But the stump of this tree and the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. Not you, king. Heaven rules. King Kevin Ezra, please, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what's right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. See, there's a sin that's going on greater than his pride that's harming people. Perhaps you will continue in prosperity. Maybe you'll skip all of this if you just repent right now. If you just ask with humility, there's hope if you change. You and I have to leave the door open. So often we shut the door, we do away with the relationship, it's over, it's done. You're not worth the time, you're not worth the investment. You have to leave the door open for others to return and walk through. You can do everything right. 
and still they not change. It's still not working out. Remember, God took time with you. God will take time with them. You give God the time that he needs to work on that. But you give people hope. I've seen it years, years afterwards, where people and I have been restored over situations because I left the door open. I left hope. Hope is something that people can grab onto. Hope is something they can come back to. Hope is something that will allow them to change. When you say, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, that just drives people away. And they're glad to leave that door shut. Because that's all they'll hear, is those words. Leave the door open. With people, are you confronting to provide hope or humiliation. With spirits, declare in prayer. Protect with the blood. Hear what God has to say and speak it forth. Now, a lot of you are good. You're a master at confronting. You love confronting. Others of you, you avoid confrontation no matter what it is. You just pile it on you internalize it till you gunny sack it, you can't take any more, and then you explode on everybody. Neither way is the best way. But God does have a way. Ephesians 6, 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil spirits and authorities of unseen worlds, against mighty powers of this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. There's a rank. There's an order. There's those over all countries. There's an evil that we need to pray and intercede with. Daniel's son fights in a tournament. What's been building up to it, he wins the first several rounds. And finally then the coach goes to one of his players, Bobby, and says, you foul out. You get yourself eliminated, but you hurt him. He's really reluctant, but he does what his coach says, and he hurts him. He injures him. Then in the final fight that he gets into, the match comes down to two to two. The one he's fighting against, because of the injury, when he scores one point, uses that moment to inflict an illegal injury on his knee and, and puts his knee out. He struggles back up. He stands on one leg, unable to use the other. And then he remembers the crane, a move that he'd been taught, they'd seen, they'd practiced. While standing on one leg, he allows his enemy to come towards him, and he strikes him with the leg he's standing on and gets the three points. God has given you insight, given you direction. When you stick with him, he'll show you how to win. As a result, relationships are restored because all that he endured and not retaliate, not to use it for violence, but to do it in a right manner, made them change and say, that's what a man is. That's what we want to be. So now I want to speak to you as a father. I have that authority and I want to spiritually speak to each and every one of you. 
These are challenging times. But you were made. You are made for this day. You are made and purposed for it. Run to the fray in prayer. Run with your time. Run with yourself. Now go. Go in authority. Don't give up. Don't let go of your authority. God wants you to be with him in relationship. He wants you to be his son and his daughter. He wants you to be relational and understand that. You have a calling. You are plan A and there is no other plan. You have been equipped to restore, to bring back what was lost. You're to see that as your daily mission each and every day. There's someone that I can restore. There's someone I can bring value. There's somebody that doesn't believe there's enough that I can speak life into them. Let go of pride. The pride brings fear. It brings back sin. Take on the posture of humility. Believe in God. Trust in God. Don't accept less. Understand your authority, your hope, your calling to speak into impossible situations. You have the words and authorities and the promise of God. You can speak into a possible situation. Stop worrying about what will happen when you pray. Speak in prayer. Speak believing. See what God will do when you exercise and are the messenger he's called you to be. Declare with authority over your finances, over your health, over your relationships. Lord, I come into agreement. I align with you. I'm coming in agreement with you, with your purposes, with your direction to declare. Every stronghold must go. Every place of weakness of sin in my life and theirs must go. God, you meet me. I'm calling a meeting. You meet with me. I'm showing up believing in you and your authority and power. I seek you. I pursue you. I'm going to travail. I'm going to hang in there and give birth. I'm going to travail for this awakening. I'm trusting you. I'm believing in you. And I'm praying that you open my eyes. No longer let fear, pride rule me. Jesus said, I will build the ecclesia. He didn't say he'd build the walls, he'd build the temple. He said, I will build the ecclesia, the called out ones. You are called. You are the ones. He has come down. He has picked you. You are the called out ones. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Know that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro for men and women who will stand in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Walk in the authority of the king. The worship team comes. I want to end with this story. One of my less like duties is working with a pastor needs to be restored or has fallen or something has happened. A few years ago, I was, was working with this one, and then God already addressed me. He said, this person's getting ready, and they're getting close, and there's some things I want you to go and talk to them. So I set up a meeting, and my first words out of my mouth was, I'm your brother. I'm here to walk with you. 
I'll be here. No matter how bad it gets, what comes out, I'll be here. I already knew some things that were going on. I, I could have said, what the heck is wrong with you? You're a pastor. Get your head on straight. What are you doing? But I let him know I was going to be there. And in love, I shared from my heart. This is the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. I struggled several days in prayer to have the right words. I said, I, I guarantee you, I'm your only friend right now. Is there anyone else that's encouraging you to do what you're doing? They don't care about you. I've been with you for many years. You know I care for you. For me to come in this moment and to share with this, because I love you. And I challenged him. And I shared. And he didn't listen. Went and did it his way. Lost his family. And I went back. In the middle of all that. I said, I'm still here for you. We can still do this. God cares. I left the door open. One day he called. He said, I need help. I want to get it back. And I was there. We prayed and we went up and down and there was failures and there were successes. And, but then there became consistency. There became breakthroughs. There became dealing with some really inner hurts that he didn't even know that were father issues. And eventually he got restored. back into ministry. See, that's what restoration is. It's not cutting people loose. It's not cutting them off. It's not writing them off. It's standing in authority. Men, we're called to restore relationships. We're called to restore situations. We're called to say that which has been taken, that which has been lost, that which has been removed from our access. Now, God, you return by justice in your court, in your heavens. Exercise the authority you've given to me. It only takes one. It takes you. I want you to stand. I'm asking everyone here, I'm asking everyone online to stand. I want you to be a part of this. I want you to engage. I want you to pray with me. I want you to be on base. I want you to have a firm foundation. I want you to be in the game. So as I pray, I want you to pray along with me. Lord, I believe. I believe that you have made me enough. There are wounds and there are hurts, but I believe, God, you have made me enough. I believe you have authority.
you have power over every situation. Something's coming to your mind. It's a lie. It's a lie. I, I already know who, I can point you guys out right now who he's talking to. It's a lie. God, you can help me work through this. I believe, God, you can do anything, no matter what, no matter how many times it fails, no matter what, God, you can do it. God, I admit, I've let go of my authority. I believed a lie that I'm just not enough. My prayers aren't enough. What I do isn't enough. I, I have to earn this. I have to give you something. It's not enough. God, I believe that you're upset at me. I admit that. There's things I've done, and yes, I deserve this punishment. I have believed this lie. I have not joined you, God, to reclaim what was taken. I've just let it go. I've not pleaded the blood for protection to keep. I've not entered your courts, God. In your name, by your blood, to say on that authority, grant me justice, return what was lost. God, I've sinned. Forgive me. And as a father and as a man who stepped away or felt pushed away, as a father, as a man who's not, not known his authority, as a father, a man who, who wants to restore, to reclaim what is lost, as a man who is committing to run towards God's promises. We all surrender right now to you, God, to you, Holy Spirit, to you, Jesus. Empower me, guide me, give me, get inside of me, help me with my failings to be strong in you. And by this prayer, Lord God, I express I'm committed to God. As I hear these words of this song, I commit to watch and pray. I commit to speaking blessing. I commit to seeing it differently through your eyes, to speak your words, to speak blessing, to walk in blessing, to bless my kids, to speak words of peace, presence, power, authority. I speak peace, God. There's storms. You take authority. By your name, Jesus. These seas that are rubble that have seemed dangerous. I trust in you right now. I believe in you, God. I speak that name, Jesus. Whatever your situation, speak Jesus. Your name, Jesus. I bring it to bear. It's not a song. This is a prayer of power. Authority is being released. Jesus. Darkness troubles. Call these bones to live. Call these lungs to sing once again. Do you hear it? Oh, I will pray. Do you feel it? 